We are back, and we are back together. Josh, welcome back. You missed an episode due to work. How you doing, buddy? Good, and you? I'm good. Welcome to It's About Time. This is episode number 12. At some point, we'll just stop saying what number it is because I'm going to forget. Before we jump into everything that we're going to talk about, I did want to say, I'm sure you all have noticed by now, the new cover art, or I don't know, picture that goes up with our podcast. That's courtesy, actually, of Josh's brother, the other Nathan. Uh, Nathan Real, got to thank him for that. I think he did a fantastic job. What do you think? It's awesome. Yeah, it looks great. The original DC on the logo was very similar to the DC the Nats used to wear on their jerseys or on their hats, and we had to change that because I was worried about uh, potentially... Copyright infringement? <laughs> yeah. Potentially getting sued down the line if this thing ever takes off. So, But it, he put a, a cursive DC, and I think it worked out well, and I think it looks great. So if you've seen it and you like it, and uh, you know Nathan Real or want to send him a message, let us know. He did a wonderful job on it, and uh, we're both very happy with it. Also, as always, we are affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. You can go to their website. We have a tab up there with all of our stuff, as, uh, along with the other podcasts that they have, like Fantasy Fever, which is one that I listen to. It helped this week. I, I just got two wins this week. Um, so they can be visited at DMVSportsNetwork.com. They can also be followed on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. They've got great daily content on all DC sports, so be sure to check them out. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Be sure to rate us, comment if you'd like to. The ratings and the comments certainly help get us uh, more views and more listens. So thank you for that. Today we are going to talk mostly about the Redskins. A nice win over Dallas. If you want to call it a nice win, it was a win. We're going to look ahead for the Redskins. Look at the NFC East, where the Redskins are now a full game and a half up on Dallas and Philly. We'll do a mixed bag with the Caps, the Wizards, and then we'll talk World Series, which is going to jump off here in about an hour and 20 minutes. The Dodgers and the Red Sox. We'll talk about that as well and get some final thoughts in before we close out. But let's start with the home team Washington Redskins, 20-17 to 17 winners over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. I'm just going to ask you right out of the gate, what were your initial thoughts about the game? The game was garbage. It's tough watching that team. Which one? Both of them. Oh, yeah, both teams are very bad. Yeah. The entire NFC East is garbage. Yeah. We are the uh, kings of Turd Island currently. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be negative, but some of the stuff I'm going to talk about is not going to be 100% positive about the Redskins. I don't know. How, you, how do you feel? I have nothing nice to say. <laughs> they are 4-2. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, Adrian Peterson looks good. Yeah, AP, big day, 24 carries, 99 yards. I mean, a good day, not a big day. Um, I'm going to start with, before we go through just a rundown of the game, um, has your opinion of Alex Smith, Alex Smith excuse me, changed from week one to now? No, he doesn't have anybody to throw, the, throw to. It's not his fault. So that's your feeling, is that it's not him, it's the fact that he doesn't have anybody to throw to. No, I mean, you can completely... You can't stretch the field. You can't do anything. Jordan Reed doesn't even get out. They can double-team Jordan Reed because you don't have to double a receiver. Yeah. Receivers are garbage. I mean, you have Brian Quick and Michael Floyd running around out there, which Michael Floyd did make a great that catch that was not in bounds, but that was a great catch. He looked good, actually. 
Great athleticism by him in that. Um, I was shocked to see Jordan Reed was only targeted four times at two catches for 43 yards. I would tend to agree with you. I think that they're, I think on a Monday before playing the Redskins, the teams are circling Jordan Reed and saying, that guy's not going to beat us. We'll make, if you want to call them outside weapons, we'll make them beat us. Right. Plus, you don't have anybody out of the backfield anymore without, I mean, Capri Bibbs, that was a nice run. But that's the offensive line. Like, that's the offensive line doing what the offensive line does. There was three great blocks on that. He could have walked in. Yeah, that was more the offensive line. I mean, the guys that were out in they front of him. They get out and pull, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, that was actually going to be my first question for you, other than the Alex Smith thing, is do you think there's any validity to the question that maybe he doesn't fully grasp the offense yet? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Okay. Besides Just, the stupid, besides the inconceivable play of going out of bounds and saving Dallas timeout, I I'm fine with Alex Smith. Yeah, we are going to touch on that when we get to that part of the game. That was um, for a veteran guy who's been in the league as long as he has. That was um, a mind-boggling. But that's garbage play, play calling too. Yes. Two runs on a pass. Great job. Yeah, we're going to get to that at the end when we're talking about the play calling at the end. With you, you got a minute forty left. You want to kill the win clock. Win the game. Win the game. Don't kill the clock. Win the game. Get a first down. Right. Well, you win the game by killing the clock is what I mean. Like, yeah. you get a first down, the game's over. Right. But Alex was 14 of 25 at 178 yards, one touchdown. He also had four carries for 16 yards. But again, no turnovers for him, no turnovers for the team. That was big. The skins were god-awful on third down. They were 3 of 12. A lot of three and outs. A lot of short drives yesterday. Defense had a banner day, though, for the most part. Kerrigan had two sacks. Jonathan Allen had a sack, and Ryan Anderson had a sack. Uh, they held Dallas in check for most of the game. Zeke, 15 carries, 33 yards. Yeah, because that's all you had to focus on. It's the same thing. I mean, basically, it's two teams that have no receivers. Well, had no receivers. Yeah. He could be a difference maker. He could win. That trade could theoretically win them the East. Oh, wow. You're actually high on the Amari Cooper trade. I mean, it's how can that be an upgrade? I read today somewhere that said that they were basically negotiating against themselves and that the only person that was offering anything was more like a third-round pick. Oh, I think they way overpaid for him. Yeah. I mean, he's... Three, I can't believe they have three first-round picks next year. But you think... they're not done yet. You think that that could be... No, I know. You think they trade uh, to, to take a quick tangent? You think they trade Carr? And if they do trade Carr, if you're Jacksonville, why don't you go get Carr? I mean, it's those are the two destinations. It's either Jacksonville or New York, right? The Giants. Yeah, the Giants for Carr. Yeah, uh, but Jacksonville's in a better position because they can still make the playoffs this year. Yeah, but you got to figure out what's going on with Fournette. Like the high trade was weird. Yeah. When you have TJ Young, I don't know. They must uh, maybe Leonard Fournette's not coming back this year. Made a lot of fantasy owners of Leonard Fournette wonder. So let's go through the game real quick. Uh, the Skins did set the tone early with a six-play, 52-yard touchdown drive. Uh, Smith was – it was the first their first drive of the game. Smith was two for two for 35 yards and a touchdown on that drive. AP had four carries for 12 yards. That's the one that ended with the bib screen pass. Um, Dallas's first four drives on offense, three and out. Then the fumble by Dak on the fourth down sneak. What a great hit by DJ Swearinger. Yeah. 
That was a huge play in the game. The Redskins didn't capitalize, but it was a nice play. And then they punted after seven plays and punted after eight plays. The defense came out to play. Not that they were playing against a top-tier offense, but they came out to play yesterday or Sunday, and it showed. But then Dallas did tie the game 7-7 with one minute left in the second half on just an absolutely blown coverage. Corner got completely deked on a double move, and um, it made it 7-7. So you felt like the whole first half, the Redskins did not capitalize on good field position. They didn't capitalize on getting the defense continually giving them the ball back. Uh, And then just in the blink of an eye, they they really dominated the, the Cowboys defensively. You felt like they should have been up by more than seven, and then it's seven to seven with one minute left in the second half. Skins get the ball back with one minute left and three timeouts, and they get absolutely nothing out of it. The drive ends with time expiring. Um, the Skins' four drives in the first half after the touchdown, three and out, punt, punt, and then the end of the half. Not a great day for the offense, but especially... Not in the first half after that first great drive, which was clearly scripted. I don't know. Maybe they should script more drives. (laughs) Yeah. But here's the other thing. You come out in the second half. The Redskins' second half offense this year has been terrible. For a second week in a row, they only kicked two field goals in the second half. You take away, obviously, the defensive touchdown. But that's got to fall on Jay, right? It's got to fall on Jay that they're not making second-half adjustments. I think so. I mean, I just don't know what you can do with that offense. What do you think of this? If they, I mean, they played the last two weeks without Crowder and Thompson. So that clearly hurts them. I don't know why they don't run more two tight end sets. I'd rather have Vernon Davis in there than any one of the 14 receivers that should be on someone's practice squad or doing something other than playing in the NFL. Bagging groceries. Yeah. Vernon Davis had zero targets yesterday. I mean, I don't think he had that much. His snap count couldn't have been that high. No, I don't think it was that high. You know, I said this last week. um, They did a trips right with Sprinkle, Davis, and Reed, where they did that bubble screen to Reed. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd also like to see when Chris Thompson comes back. I'd like to see a shotgun with Bibbs and Thompson on each side of Alex Smith in the backfield because they're both shifty guys out of the backfield. They both can catch the ball. I'd really like to see... Jay's going to have to get creative. He's going to have to get creative with this offense. The defense is going to keep them in every game. Defense is really good. So the Redskins did have a nice drive to start the second half. They went 10 plays, 72 yards, but then they stalled in the red zone. Ends in a field goal, 21 yards. They were third and one from the Dallas one-yard line, and AP lost... Adrian Peterson lost two yards. They had three plays in the red zone. It was an incomplete pass to Sprinkle, which was a bad throw by Smith. Could have been a touchdown. An eight-yard kind of screen to Adrian Peterson and then the two-yard loss at the one. The play calling inside the red zone the last couple weeks has been very vanilla. Jay is almost calling plays not to lose. I mean, field goals are winning it for them. Yes. (laughs) Dustin Hopkins is probably one of the team MVPs right now. Um, but again, Skins in back-to-back weeks only score six points on offense in the second half. Uh, their halftime adjustments have just been terrible. My opinion, and I don't think there's, I don't think you can debate much of it. The big play of the game was the Kerrigan strip sack. Preston Smith recovered it for a touchdown. That was a nice play all around. There was the delayed bit blitz by Kerrigan. 
That should have been the nail in the coffin. But then the defense, and they've done this now two weeks in a row as well, as soon as they're up two scores late in the second half, they give up an easy touchdown drive. And they did that yesterday. Dallas comes out. They go 12 plays in 3 minutes and 18 seconds, 74 yards, finish with a, the drive with a one-yard touchdown run by Dak, and they cut the lead to three. Is that play calling, though? Is he taking his foot off the pedal? Yeah. I, against Carolina, it was play calling because they were giving too much room underneath. They were giving. They were just basically saying, we're going to make Cam pick us apart. And it was a long drive, but it, especially with Dallas, too, 12 plays. But it was only in 3 minutes and 18 seconds. And it just, all day, Dallas couldn't move the football. And then it just, why? Why at the end of the second half, when if you stop them, the game's over, why do they just get to march down the field? What's going on there? It's got to be, he's playing a prevent style. I know that the DBs were playing a little bit further back. I just don't understand it. I mean, I feel like it's the the default go-to for every NFL coach. I just don't understand why people don't do things differently. No, I would have brought pressure. They bring pressure. They brought pressure last week on the last drive. They finally bring pressure to Cam, and guess what? They stopped him. Yeah. They made him throw quicker than he wanted to, and he wasn't as accurate. He was making bad decisions. Against Dak, well, the last drive of the game, before we get to the Redskins' last offensive driving game, the last drive of the game, what was Jason Garrett doing? Super conservative play calling when you've got a chance to actually win the football game or at least get closer for your field goal kicker. But he's got a history of that, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not a good head coach. And I think this might be, if the, if the Amari Cooper thing doesn't work out, I think this might be it for him. Was that him, though? Amari Cooper? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just saying that Jerry's going to say, I, I've given this guy everything that I can give him. He's got one of the best running backs in football. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football. I don't know about that. Not anymore? Not anymore. The Redskins were able to generate pressure yes, or Sunday with three to four guys most of the day. I mean... We're going to talk about that in a minute. The The Redskins have something special with their defensive line. The the Alabama contingent of Payne and Allen, and even if we want to throw Ryan Anderson into it, they are playing their tails off. But let's go to the Redskins get the ball after Dallas scores a touchdown. Dallas decides to kick it deep, which is a smart decision because the Redskins' offense did nothing in the second half. So they get the ball with a minute 37 left, and Dallas has all three timeouts. Jay goes as vanilla as you can go. It was a Peterson run for one yard, a Peterson run for two yards, and then the inconceivable Alex Smith scramble for six yards where he goes out of bounds. Maybe he thought he could get the first down. Yeah. Uh, Dallas did save a timeout there. Didn't really factor in based on what their play calling was because they were in field goal range pretty quickly after getting the ball back. What what was Jay doing? I don't know. Not playing to win. No. No, he was you know what he was doing? He's like, We're gonna make them burn their timeouts and we're gonna trust that our defense can stop them. And I don't like that coming from an offensive play caller. I just don't like that. I don't think it's smart. Yeah, I mean I just it was a garbage game. So let's get to the not I don't think it was the most pivotal play, I think for the Redskins at least, I think the the strip sack was, but the most talked about play was the five-yard illegal ball movement on the long snapper on the field goal. What's your opinion of that call? I I have no idea what the rule is. I mean, apparently it was a penalty. According to Tony Dungy, it was a bad call. 
he was talking about that on Sunday Night Football before the game, that the Cowboys got robbed, that it was a normal movement, and it was not meant to entice the defensive linemen to jump off sides. According to the NFL, by the letter of the law, it was the correct ruling. Yeah, according to Nick Sundberg, that guy does it. And Jay told the line judge or whatever that he was going to do it. Yeah, Jay did a good job there. Actually. Yeah. He, was, he told the, the referees to look out for it, and it ended up winning them a football game because I texted you this right at the end of the game. That kick is good from 47 yards. If he oh, makes absolutely. an identical kick, it's yeah. good from 47 yards. Yes, it definitely is. It's good from 42 yards. <laughs> Even more so, it's good from 42 yards. So again, it felt like the Skins, this is back-to-back weeks, but it's also kind of the Jekyll and Hyde theory. When they've been good, it feels like they take a lead and then just hold on for dear life. The defense is legit, but late in games they are getting exposed by late drives, and it just feels weird. So where are you with this team? I don't think they're very good. I mean, it's painful to watch. It's not enjoyable. It's just, it's hard football. Like, I think I, this is the first week, maybe because the weather's getting colder, that I actually enjoyed watching football. Like, the Chargers game was really good. Yeah. How um, about, I mean, we're going to talk about it, the Philly-Panthers game. It was oh, great because yeah. Philly lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that was, I mean, that was a bad football game until the fourth quarter. It was. I mean, Cam had, what, like 60 yards in the first three quarters of the game? Are receivers hard to find? Is that an issue now? Because he doesn't really have any receivers. Look at all the teams that don't have receivers. Atlanta's got three of them, though. <laughs> it's yeah. During the draft, I really wanted... I mean, if we're going to talk about Redskins outside options, I really wanted the Redskins to draft Calvin Ridley. Yeah. He wasn't there. I think Atlanta picked ahead of the Redskins. Yeah. but And I'm not upset that they got Deron Payne. No, no, no. He's awesome. But, like I said when I texted you... We should draft 13 receivers in the draft next year, and hopefully we hit on a couple. Just need to hit on two. (laughs) Right? Maybe three. Well, what do you think of this? Demarius Thomas. I just get someone who can catch a football. But don't give up a first-rounder for him. Demarius Thomas is not going to get a first-rounder. Demarius Thomas might. Amari Cooper shouldn't have gotten a first-rounder. Well, no, but that's an overreaction by Jerry Jones because they got beat by Washington, and he thinks in his mind, if we have Amari Cooper, we win that football game, and he might not be wrong. He... Loves overreacting. He traded, he like sold the farm for Roy Williams. I think that was two first round. It's like two first round picks. No, or was it Keyshawn? Because it's Keyshawn he traded for. He traded for Roy Williams and he traded for Joey Galloway. One of them he traded two first round picks, a third and a sixth or something. It was crazy. Yeah, he 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 is what Dan Snyder wanted to be when it came to trading draft picks. But now the Redskins fortunately don't do that. But see, if you could get Demarius Thomas for a third-round pick next year, much like if you had turned that, basically turning Cousins into Demarius Thomas or Le'Veon Bell, right? I'm, why would you not be okay with that? Because then you'll get a comp, you get a compensatory, compensatory, compensatory pick either way. No, I agree with you. And here's another question. All right, uh, I think they should. If Demarius Thomas is available, this the Redskins are a team that can actually win the division. I, I think they can. I mean, just because they're not going to win it. Everyone else is just going to lose it. They're 4-2. and two. Yeah. And they, they have one team left on their schedule that has a winning record. They're 4-2. and two. And their defense is legitimate. But here's my point. If you're the Redskins and you say to yourself, 
A third-round pick or even a fourth-round pick can go get us Demarius Thomas. My next question to you is, do you try to go get Patrick Peterson and make a strength even better, make the defense better? For another third-round pick? Yes. How about a second-round pick? Sure. Not a, not a first-round pick? No. It's going to take a first-round pick for Patrick Peterson, though. I don't know. He, it sounds like he's pretty... So uh, was Earl Thomas, and then he flicked everyone off. <laughs> yes, that's true. He's about to be coming home to Dallas. But he broke his leg instead. Well, I mean, the Giants traded Eli Apple today for a fourth next year and a seventh the following year. Who gives a shit? Peterson's better than Eli Apple, but if that's the if that's like where they're setting it, you should be able to get Peterson for a second. And if I'm Arizona, you're the worst team in football. Your only thing you should be doing is accumulating draft picks. Uh, uh, Yeah, Peterson's wasted there for the next few years. Much like the Raiders are. Five first round picks in the next two years. And they're not done, like you said. That's what happens, though, when you have a 10-year contract, right? He's what? not on the... He knows... that. I bet you they become a powerhouse. Oh, you know what he's saying? He's saying, fuck it. I'm going to blow it up. Yeah. And I'm going to build this team in my image, because what are they going to do? I've got $100 million guaranteed to me. 10 years, they're not getting rid of me. This is going to be my team. I'm putting my... For better or for worse, this I is my team. I bet you it's for better. Oh, it's I gonna think be it bad be. two years. More than two, probably. Unless they find it, unless if Derek Carr is their quarterback, maybe it's a quicker turnaround. But if they get rid of Derek Carr, they have to find a quarterback. There's a couple quarterbacks in the draft. It's still a it's still a crapshoot. True. So I wanted to I, I I had written down a couple questions that I wanted to ask you. The first question, and I have a I have a feeling about it, but I wanted to know how you felt. I kind of brought it up last week. But it's hard to ask questions when you're by yourself. My question is, why does it feel so lousy winning football games? Because the last two weeks, and if you want to throw in the last three wins, even the win against Green Bay, didn't feel like we won it. Because they're not playing good football. That's part of it. And you're just waiting for them to lose. They've gotten lucky. They lose that game yesterday if it goes to overtime. You see Skip Bayless said that. I mean, fuck Skip Bayless. But... um, but I'm saying, like, Dallas has all the momentum. Besides, and then the two weeks ago, you have Bizarre. Got, that got wonky play calling at the end of that game from Ron Rivera. Yeah. It, it does feel a little bit like they... They're not winning. The other teams are just losing. It's an interesting way to put it. My feeling was a little bit more like this. I think the Redskins are a good football team. I don't think they're, by any stretch of the imagination, a great football team. And I think that the Redskin fan base, and I can speak for myself, I think I could probably speak for you, we've bought in before, and we've been burnt. We bought in during the first giant free agent class with Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith, and it didn't work out. We bought in when Joe Gibbs came back. We bought in when Gibbs brought in like Adam Archuleta and spent all that money on Antoine Rendell. We bought in... Donovan McNabb, man, I bought hard on Donovan McNabb, and it just, that left a bitter taste. But the worst one of all, and I think the thing that has made fans the most jaded, was RG3. Because that one lasted the longest. It was an entire 2012, it was the 2012 offseason to 2012 season, and then the all-in for week one in 2013, and then he falls flat. But not only that, you have a legitimate starting quarterback that was behind him. And you treated him like crap, but he's gone. And the fans, I think, part of it is, you're right. They're not, 
winning these games. They're holding on to win them. They play well at the beginning, and then they just try to ride it out. But also, a lot has to do... Just their fan base is just not ready to buy in yet, in my opinion. Because they don't believe it. And they're not ready to buy in yet. I mean, let's just say we win the East. You're still going to lose and get bumped out of in the first round of the playoffs. You're not winning a playoff game. I think this team's good enough to win a wild card home playoff game. I don't think Against... So. Green Bay with a depends on how Aaron Rodgers is feeling. Uh, Chicago, oh Chicago would kill us. You think so? Yes. Weapons. Yeah. Minnesota would kill us too. Yeah. And Minnesota could be the opponent, but, but Minnesota's going to win their division probably. Which Minnesota is going to show up? Right. That team's super inconsistent. So my next question to you is: Obviously, you haven't bought in. You think the team is mediocre. What would make you buy in? Is there anything this year that could make you buy in? Sure. I would just want to see an offense. The offense have a one full sustained game. Four quarters. Four quarters Man. of football. I'm a little bit different. For me, they've got a game coming up this week against the Giants. The Giants are terrible. They're not a good football team. Bet you it's a close game. Exactly. My point is, I'm not ready to buy in unless you can go to New York against a bad football team where Atlanta was generating pressure on Eli Manning with four or five guys all night. They relatively contained Saquon Barkley. The Redskins should be able to do that no problem. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Because the Redskins are a better defense than Atlanta is. They oh, should be yeah. able to do that no problem. Plus, Giants are on a short week. They just traded Eli Apple, which means that the offense should be able to move the ball better. Not to mention Odell Beckham Jr. is blowing shit up. But... It's the Giants. It's a division game. Eli always plays well against the Redskins. It's going to feel like a... For me to buy in, in the short term, the next two weeks, you play the Giants. That game should be 10-plus point victory for the Redskins. Then you play Atlanta, who's 3-4. and four. They're better than a 3-4 and four record. But it's still a game the Redskins could win. Atlanta's got a really, really good receiving core. Throw in Austin Hooper. They've got weapons. But the Giants shut them down last night. They only scored 20 against the Giants. They had a hard time moving to football because their, their offensive line, the Atlanta Falcons' offensive line, is really banged up. So the Redskins should be able to generate pressure in the next two weeks. If For me to fully buy in, you win those next two games, you're 6-2. and two. There's zero chance of that happening. But I'm saying if it happens, I'm saying that that would oh, yeah, buy in. Oh, yeah, then we can start to get excited. Well, and then D- but I then think- you're going to lose to Philadelphia twice. And bring everybody back down to earth. God damn, dude, you are like... The Grinch. Randy, Qu- Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid in Major League. Bulldoze it. So my final question about the Redskins, at least in your eyes, who is this team? I don't think they know. Do you Do you have an idea? Like, I have an idea of what they are. They have they good are. defense. Yeah. But who, I mean, they're just an offense that has no, no key receiver. Just one receiver would make a huge difference. Yeah, they're a defense that's going to keep them in football games. They're a defense that will occasionally, like they did Sunday, win a football game for you with the strip sack. They're a team, in my opinion, that if they stay healthy, I think the offense will get better as Alex Smith gets into the offense more and you get Thompson and Crowder back. They're an offense that, I mean, they're averaging 21 points a game, which is 25th in the NFL. I think their pinnacle right now, six games, seven weeks into the season, 
their pinnacle right now, like the best case scenario is they win a home playoff game in the wild card round and then they get bounced in the divisional round. Do I think that they can improve on that? I think it would probably take a trade of to get like a Demarius Thomas where you get a legit number one, maybe even trading for like a Patrick Peterson, and then you've your your defensive backfield is really stout. Uh because you're gonna need another corner against if you have any if you have any inclination that you think you can beat LA, the Saints, the Vikings, you're gonna need another corner. Dunbar was out Sunday, that hurt them. That double move was on Dunbar's side. The double move for a touchdown. That hurt them. Moreau's a nice slot guy, but Peterson would be a, a gigantic. Then you'd have two Petersons. But Peter, it was a stupid, analysis, a stupid assessment. But Peterson would be a nice add. But for me, that's their pinnacle. I think that they're going to compete to win the division. I think it's going to be between them and Philly. I'm not as high on the Amari Cooper trade as you are, but that remains to be seen. Just real quick, the Redskins' defensive ranks through six games. They are 13th in passing, giving up 238 yards a game. They're the third best rushing defense in all football. 83, or I'm sorry, 87.3 yards per game. They're giving up four yards per carry, but they are limiting. They've stopped now three big-time running backs in David Johnson, Christian McCaffrey, and now Ezekiel Elliott. One thing I found very interesting in regards to how good the defense has been. These are the teams that the Redskins have played through six games, seven weeks. Arizona, they're averaging 13.1 points per game. That is good for 31st in the NFL. It's not dead last, surprisingly. This one surprised me. Indianapolis is scoring 27 points per game. They are the 10th best or 10th highest scoring offense in all football. Green Bay, 24.7. That's good enough for 16th right in the middle. New Orleans, 34 a game. They're second in all the NFL behind Kansas City. Carolina, 23.7 is 18th. And Dallas at 20 a game is 26th. So they faced two top 10 offenses. They lost both those games. I don't know what that means about how good the defense is. But the one legitimate offense they played, they got boat raced. Yeah, I mean, the offense wasn't doing anything either, though, to slow it down. They were just on on the field the entire game. I mean, another way you can look at it, too, is in the games that they've run the football well and run as a team for over 100 yards, they've won. And the two games where they didn't rush for over 100 yards, they lost. So they need to establish the run. As I said earlier, the Skins' remaining schedule, they only have one team with a winning record, Houston at 4-3. and three. Their next four games, they have the Giants this week, Atlanta, who's 3-4, and four, Tampa's at 3-3, three and three. And then Houston, the schedule is set up for them. They don't have a they don't have a, a juggernaut on their schedule the rest of the way out. They got Philly twice. They those are the two biggest games of the season now. You play Philly after you get lucky. You play Philly after Thanksgiving, so you have ten days to get ready for them. Although <laughs> time never seems to help Jay Gruden. And then you have Philly the last game of the season. That game could conceivably be for the division. Usually is yes, it could conceivably be for the division. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, at least they they have something to play for. I think it'll be a fun November and December. But to say that this team, you're crinkling your nose. You you don't think so? They're just garbage, man. Really? Yeah. Wow, I did not expect you to be this melancholy about them. I don't think they're very good. I hope I'm wrong. Wow. 
I mean, I, mean, I'm I don't think I don't think anybody else thinks they're any good either. No, I mean they're uh, four from, and two. Aside four and two, and then ESPN in the power rankings, they're like seventeenth. Yeah. Aside from Colin Cowherd, did you hear him last week? He thinks the Redskins are going to win five to six games in a row. This was before the Dallas game. He said his reasoning, and I don't really like Cowherd that much, but I got to give him credit. I guess he's like last year they were a good football team. They went to L.A. and they beat the crap out of L.A. They went to Seattle and they beat Seattle when Seattle was still healthy and good. And then what happens? All five of their starting offensive linemen go down with injury. Yeah, we were a good team last year. Right. Yeah. And he's like, he but thinks you this. had cousins. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I've got the stats written down. I didn't want to be negative, but let's compare Kirk Cousins' first seven weeks to Alex Smith. It's, it's not even, to me, it's completely pointless to do that. Because he has weapons. Way more weapons. Okay. He has three receivers. I was actually going to give Alex Smith credit on one thing. That's what I'm, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just no, 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 no. I wasn't going to attack Kirk Cousins. Or, I mean, Alex Smith. Kirk Cousins in seven games has already lost five fumbles. He also has three interceptions. Alex Smith only has two. Another thing I was surprised at, Cousins is averaging 10.3 yards per catch. Smith's actually averaging more, 11.2. But again, he has Diggs, Thielen. The Redskins have nothing. And all they're doing is throwing the ball because they have no running game. Right. They didn't score a rushing touchdown until this week. Yeah. The, the Vikings. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Vikings, I'm sorry. They did not score a rushing touchdown until this week. We'll real quick go around the NFC East. Obviously, the Redskins are in first at four and two. Dallas three and four. Philly three and four. Giants are done at one and six, unless they win nine in a row, which isn't going to happen. I mean, we've kind of talked about it. I did the big thing for me: Philly blowing a seventeen to nothing lead at home to Carolina. Who in your mind? Who's Philly? I don't. Who knows? Either they're dealing with a lot of injuries, though. They are. Doug Peterson came out today and said there's no, or not today. Came out. I think it was Sunday after the game or Monday said that there's no pressure on them. I don't know how that's possible. I mean, I mean is it just he was just saying that to yeah. say it. I mean, Carson Wentz continues to look good. Yeah, he gets better every week, numbers-wise. They, yeah, they're just they're finding ways to lose games and not finding ways to win games. So I think uh I think the Redskins are certainly in contention. It's weird to say that they're in first place. I think that they're a legitimate division winner. I mean, yeah. I can't argue with you. And this is your last podcast for two weeks because you'll be traveling. So in three weeks, Josh might come back ready to go, happy. The Redskins are at maybe six and two. That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. But more likely, they'll be at four and four. Yes, much more likely. <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. I, if I'm going to give a prediction on this week's game against the Giants, I actually think that they will come out. I said this last week. I think the Saints game was a wake-up call, not just for Jay Gruden, but for the team that, hey – we got to bring it every week. I mean, again, they're professionals. Like, come on. I agree with you. It goes back to the conversation about the name that we're not going to talk about, Bryce Harper. And you're like, but not just the Bryce Harper, but the Nats and like how they needed Jason Worth as veteran leadership, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they're adults. They're perfect. I know that, but they're still human beings. Yeah. And I mean, they got, you want to play for someone or you don't. Yeah. But they all seem to like Jay to a man. And let me tell you something. If I could have 53 DJ Swearingers, I'd take it. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. That guy's a maniac, and I love him. I'm glad they have him for another two. That was a heck of a catch, even though he was out of bounds. I know. That was amazing. And the one last thing I'll say about the Redskins. 
they're going to be special up front on defense for the next three or four years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they're going to add to it. I'm really excited about what the defense can be moving forward. They certainly need to add to their defensive backfield. But that's one area, if you really want to look for a positive, the Redskins front seven is just you know Zach Brown, Mason Foster, Preston Smith, Ryan Kerrigan, and then you talk about Allen, Ioannidis, and Payne. They are stout. Um, they're so stout that Junior Gallette has said multiple times he'd come back on a vet minimum contract, and the Redskins aren't even blinking an eye because they don't need him unless there's an injury. So I think they win this week. Do you? You think they lose? Wow. And then I'm going to say they are what I thought they were. All right, Dennis Green. No, I think they win probably something in the neighborhood of uh, like 31-17. I don't even know if they'll give up 17 <laughs> points. I think they win. I think the defense scores a touchdown. I think they win. I feel like Eli's going to torch us. Hey, man, I had it right this week. I said the Redskins would win 24-20. to They ended up winning what? I forgot the score. 23-20? Yeah. I wasn't sure I didn't listen last week. That's always nice. Anyway, we'll take a quick break while Henry licks himself clean. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about our mixed bag. Josh is going to wow us with his Caps knowledge. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Wizards, who finally got their first win last night in overtime against Portland. And then we'll talk a little baseball. We shall see you guys soon. All righty, we are back. Another reminder that we are affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. That is DMVSportsNetwork.com. They are looking for writers to add to their staff, so please reach out to them. You can reach them, again, DMVSportsNetwork.com or, again, on Twitter, at DMV underscore SN. They do have some great podcasts, including ours. We have a tab up there. Also, Fantasy Fever by Marcus Hemingway. He's been doing a great job. I've listened the last couple weeks. And as I stated at the beginning of the podcast, I actually uh, won in both my leagues this week. It's the first time I've won. Well, first time I've won two games in a week all year. Yeah, I lost again. Sonny Michelle did me in. Yeah, and he's down uh, week to week now, they say, with a knee. Yeah, no structural damage, though. That's good. Whatever. Just needed three points. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, jump into the caps. They are 4 2 and 2. Over the past week plus, they beat the Rangers in overtime 4-3, to lost to the Panthers in a shootout 6-5, to and then they beat Vancouver last night 5-2. to Through eight games, Kuznetsov, Carlson, Backstrom, and Ovi are leading the team. They're all tied with 13 points, and Ovi has eight goals in eight games. He's obviously not aging. He's doing quite well for himself. I said to you before we started that uh, you know Kuznetsov, in my opinion, is really coming into his own. You said he was good last year and he's great in the playoffs, so he's just continuing what he was doing last year. Yeah, I think people that actually watch hockey, it's not surprising. <laughs> what have you seen through the first eight games other than being an asshole to really, me? Really bad goaltending. <laughs> yeah, they've given up a lot of goals. I, you know, that's going to be, that's to me, is really uh, the one glaring thing is uh really the only reason that put them in the position they were in entering the playoffs was Grubauer yeah so I don't think you're obviously gonna get that out of Copley he's what started two games so far well maybe 
I don't know. He gave up six goals. To... I mean, he's played in almost every game because they're spelling each other. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying he started that one game uh, right after they beat Vegas, and he gave up six goals. Yeah. And then he came into the Florida game. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, but it happens. They got to stop. They're scoring. Offense looks great. They're, they're not playing defense or goal, goaltending. But, you know, it's the beginning of the year. I wouldn't press the panic button just yet. I mean, you're eight games in, you're 10% into the season. And you're in second place and you have 10 points. I yeah. can't be upset about that. No, again, I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts that the team's going to make it in the playoffs most likely unless there's some catastrophic injury or something that we're, you know, unforeseen. And then when you, like they proved last year, you get in, anything can happen. I think that's that's the story, the definition of playoff hockey. Um, but I agree with you on the goaltending side of it. Um, Hopey's Hopey, but if you don't have somebody that can win you games outside of him, you're going to have an issue when he's not when he's not in the net. So, what do you think of Reardon so far? And it's I mean, obviously they're not playing defense. Do you think that's him, or do you just think it's? No, I just think it's the beginning of the year. They're still. I mean, they gave up. They played crappy in the beginning of the year last year too. Any so, thought to them maybe having tired legs? No. They wouldn't be scoring if they did. I mean, they're not playing bad hockey. They're just not getting. They're not getting great. I would even say good goaltending at this point. Yeah, I mean, and this, they're still plus. I think they're still plus goals. They're still positive overall. Well, yeah. well, look at this past week. They scored four goals, six goals, five goals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're scoring. Yeah, they're definitely scoring. So our weekly check in on Tom Wilson. He is appealing his suspension. He met with Gary Bettman October eighteenth. A decision is expected this week. If Gary Bettman refuses to either reduce his suspension, well, he's not going to get rid of the suspension, but if he refuses to reduce it, he does have the option to do a second appeal to an independent arbitrator. Uh, The most recent person to do that was Nashville's Austin Watson, who at the beginning of the year was suspended 27 games for domestic violence, and the actual, the arbitrator reduced the suspension to 18 games. A 33% reduction. So would you expect that with Tom Wilson? I would go in there and be like, this dude hits women. I hit defenseless hockey players. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's talk. Who's better? (laughs) Well, he's already missed eight games. So, I mean, if... I mean, he's got a history of violence, but but he's not beating women. So if they, let's say, reduced it six, which would be about 30%, uh, a little bit over 30%. So then he'd only have to sit out six more games. Yeah, any, any chance? But it's isn't that what happens? You always go to the arbitrator, and then they reduce it. The funny thing is, though, not in hockey, but the arbitrator he might not meet with him for another two weeks, and then by that point the suspension's almost over. Yeah, yeah, hockey moves really slow. Yeah, it's although they moved fine and fast on the domestic violence guy, but they said that he still might go through with the appeal because even if he can't get the games back, he can get the money back. Right, because he's owed a lot of money that he's losing. He's losing like a, what one point two million or something like that. He's losing Even a lot more because of the bonus, right? Because right. he got five million up front. So that's the big thing: is that he may not be back for two or three weeks. But for him personally, he's trying to get the money back. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I mean, for a guy to get suspended twenty-seven games from domestic violence and then get it reduced to eighteen, classy. It's really good optics, NHL. Oh, it's awful. But it's not the NHL. It's an independent arbitrator who doesn't work for the NHL. Right, but I mean, either way, you're reducing. Probably because there's not... Has anybody else been suspended for 
Domestic not, violence not in the, the NHL? NHL? Not in the NHL, no. So there's no precedent, so that's probably why. Roberto Ozuna, how many games was he suspended? 50? 50. 50. That's not enough, is it? Chapman, how many was he last year? 60 or two years ago? 50. It's 50, right? Is it 50? Yeah. So PED's 81. Second offense. Second offense PED? No, no. First offense PED is half a season. No, Cano, wasn't that Cano's second? Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got... Yeah. First There's offense PED. Right, and you can't play in the playoffs. Right. First offense yeah, PED is 81. <laughs> second is a full season. And third is actually banishment. Yeah, you can, but you can beat women and play in the playoffs. That's when it... I mean, or men, if you're... You know, yeah, we're not going to discriminate. Yeah, you can't. You can beat someone. Right. Well, but not on the ice. No. Unless they have the opportunity to see you coming. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, the train was on the tracks. That's right. No blinker. No. No, he's driving like he owns a BMW. That's right. Right through the middle. Have you had the chance to watch any of the Wizards? Yeah. (sighs) I've actually watched them, and... uh, one and two to start the season. They've been close games. Is that it? <laughs> they lost one thirteen to one twelve to Miami. One seventeen, one thirteen to Toronto. They played in overtime last night against Portland. Won one twenty five, one twenty four. Kelly Oubre had a nice night last night. It could be a godsend that Jan Mahimi got hurt. Yeah, that dude's garbage. Kelly Oubre had a nice night last night. Dwight Howard did not make the trip for the five game West Coast road trip. It's a backyotomy. It's his buttocks. I mean, it's connected to your back, right? That's true. What are your initial thoughts? Have your thoughts on them changed at all? They're garbage. I mean, they got to figure something out. Like I, I've said this, and this is not my, this is not the same visceral hate I have for Bryce Harper that I don't think he's that good. John Wall is an incredible basketball player, but he needs to decide who he's going to be. He either needs to become the Russ, and just I'm going to put up 25, 30, 35, 48 a game, but I'm not passing. Or become the Jason Kidd type player because he's a dynamic passer. And he become also, the 15-10 guy. He creates you know? points with his speed because he can charge into the lane and then dish it out to an open guy for a jumper. That's what he should be doing, in my opinion. He should be yeah. the guy. He, he's not a great scorer. He's a good scorer. He's a good scorer, but he can't make free throws when it matters. No. Right, exactly right. Um, I, I'm like, he just... They have too many... There's too many weapons. You have Bradley... You have... Two of the best shooters in basketball, and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, if he decides to shoot. You have Ubre, who's becoming a good shooter. You have Markeith Morris, who dropped what twenty eight, nineteen, nineteen minutes, twenty minutes last night. Yep. Like, and you're going to get Dwight Howard back. I think if you, it, it's going to be a rough year if he doesn't figure out who he is. And the worst part is, and I think Toronto already figured it out because by trading DeRozan is you can't have Lowry and DeRozan out there. I don't think you can have Beal. Not, I'm not siding. And again, I think John Wall is a great, a good point guard. I wouldn't say great. I don't think he's a max player yet. But that's $38 million next year. No one's going to take him. And you're going to have to, if they go, if like I said, we've talked about, if they do absolutely nothing again this year and just are 500, what are you going to do? You have three max contracts. Uh, I heard something interesting. What if you were to what if you were to trade Wall to the Lakers for Lonzo Ball? I love that idea. I love that idea because Lonzo Ball can't shoot, and all I can do is pass. I don't want to guard. The, I don't want to guard. I don't want a point guard that shoots. I don't want Lonzo Ball's family though. Oh my oh, I god! I care less about that. Well, it's not a market that would really. I mean, we're already 
we're already used to the uber douchey Bryce Harper. Um, I have two questions. One, if the game's on the line and 10 seconds left, who do you want to have their hands on the ball? I want Bradley Beal. No. You don't want him shooting? Over wall? Free throws or shooting in the field? Because <laughs> if well, it's free throws, I don't want either of them shooting. No, no, from the field. Yeah, him or Porter. Right. I don't want Wall shooting, though. No, and but you know what? Wall makes that's bad when, decisions in those That's situations. when John Wall will shoot. I know. That's the thing. It's just weird. It's like he doesn't want to... This season, he's averaging through... I mean, just again, it's three games. He's averaging 23 points a game and eight assists, somewhere in that neighborhood. You're right. He should be the 15-12 guy. If he's a 15-12 guy, Otto Porter goes from averaging 12 points a game to averaging maybe 18 points a game. And you actually would generate more scoring. Yes. Yes. But I mean, that would be... that would, he, If he became a 15-12 and 12 guy, or a 16-12 and 12 guy, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Right. But who, who's going to tell him to do that? I don't know. Scott, somebody has to. But Scott Brooks isn't going to do know, it. You don't even know if that... But I don't know. I, Bradley Beal was right when he said everyone needs to eat. No one... Everyone's not eating with John Walls on the court. No. And, but they do sometimes. Sometimes you, you watch them. He drives down, dishes out... And they're knocking down easy threes, like but, he, and then but then they don't do it. Like it just is bizarre. They're great in transition. He can't finish, but and then he can't make the free throws. I mean, this year through three games, they're scoring. Oh yeah, but they don't play defense. They don't play defense. But they also don't have a presence. Jan Mahimi's garbage. He, Jason Smith really is just a guy off the bench. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think they're going to be an infuriating team to watch. They're fun. But I don't, again, I don't think they're... Wall's not too old, though, in my opinion, to make a change like that. To recognize that, hey, I'm no, going to... He's not going to do that, though. Do you think it's vanity? No, I just that don't he wants think... to score. He can't have both things. He wants to be a, a double-double guy, 20, 20 to 25 points and 10 assists. But he's not getting to 10 assists. Right. Because he's yeah, shooting I'll tell you too what, much. If I saw 10 points and, like, 12 assists, like a, a rando, a Jason Kidd, a Steve Nash type player, like... That would be awesome. It would be. I don't think Jason Kidd ever averaged more than 17 points a season. No, he was a distributor. And that's, I, I think... And he was a great hit, basketball player. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with them. I think they need a distributor because they do actually have good options to score baskets. It's and that's Especially not when Dwight any, Howard comes back. Right, and that's not taking anything away from John Wall. I think John Wall is a great basketball player. I just don't... I. I think it would be better if they had someone else playing point guard for the Wizards. It's interesting. But, I mean, and then that's, I mean, it's just, I, they're just better off without him, I think. And he's a great basketball, like, that's, I, I'm not trying to, like, say, he sucks, he needs to go. He's a great basketball player. I don't think he fits in what they're doing right now. No, but it's like, it's addition by subtraction. Right. We've talked about this. I may or may not agree with you. But the Nationals could conceivably be be better subtracting Bryce Harper. Oh no, they would be. Better. There was an argument before the Caps won the Stanley Cup that they, they might be better by subtracting Ovi. I don't think anyone that actually watched hockey though would have given any credence to that. No, but there was a narrative that Ovi couldn't win in big games, even though it had nothing to do with him. I mean, he always performed for the most part, always performed well in the in the playoffs. Last question about the Wizards for you. When's the earliest you think we'll see Dwight Howard? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You might see him in 
what two and a half weeks mid November yeah do you think it make makes a difference yeah absolutely because yeah. you don't have the foul machine of Jan Mahimi out there right and Dwight Howard plays good defense okay okay he plays okay he shots he blocks shots and he gets rebounds yep and they need that they do yeah. they need someone to rebound because I think I'm fairly certain Porter had zero rebounds yesterday <laughs> I, I didn't look at it but I'm pretty sure he did I think you're right but I, I do know, you know, Ubre had a nice night last night. Um, yeah, let those other guys score. Seriously, they just don't. There's not enough. That's the thing I've never really liked about the NBA. There's just not enough college basketball. They do a lot of dishing. They find the open person. The NBA sometimes it's too much of an isolation game. I never thought of it that way. But if Wall became more of a distributor, I think the team could be a lot better. I actually I like that idea. All right, let's finally we'll talk about the World Series. They're starting in. About half an hour in Boston. Nice pitching matchup tonight. You got Chris Sale against Clayton Kershaw. Um, Boston, pretty heavy favorites. Any thoughts? Who do you think is going to win it? I'm going Boston in six. I think that's about right. I think Boston's just too good. The Dodgers' offense is not very good. No, no. It should be, but. Yeah, they just. And, I mean, if you look at L.A.'s starting pitching, like Clayton Kershaw is still Clayton Kershaw, but the Boston offense is so good that I just, um, I don't know, I don't know how you stop them. And L.A.'s um, bullpen is not, it's just not as stout as it used to be. Kenley Jansen still battling that heart palpitation or whatever it is. I think six games is probably right. Um But yeah, LA's um, their bullpen's just not good enough. No, and you know which. I mean, I think the the big thing in the series is which Kershaw do you get, which David Price do you get. I'm kind of glad to see. Like, I don't. I've never really had a opinion on David Price, but it's kind of nice to see him pitch somewhat well. He's I, an enigma. Like, it's, what a weird career he's had. He's very thin skinned. In that he I mean, said he's had multiple issues in Boston. That were directly related to the media. Yeah, but I mean, you'd have issues too if you were zero and nine in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I <laughs> with agree. With a bazillion ERA, I agree. You know, but this this year with the Fortnite thing, like he had carpal tunnel. That was kind of funny. Yeah, and he's like, I won't play in the clubhouse anymore. And he just he caught relentless shit from Boston fans and the media. I mean, I've got a buddy up in Boston that absolutely hates him, but now he's starting to like. Well, now you know, one great start in the playoffs, and it's. I don't know. I'm starting to turn around on That's David a lot Price. of money. I mean, I get it. I can understand the hate. It's a lot of money. Well, I said this last week. I wonder what your opinion is. I mean, this was obviously before Price started Game 5. Um, was it Game 5? Yeah, Game 5. Should Boston move on from David Price? Should they trade him and eat like maybe 30% of his contract? But he's going to take him. At $20 million a year for the next four years? A lot of teams would, I think. Really? I, 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 the Nats should. They need a left-handed starter, and at twenty million a year, he's worth it. And you would, you, the hope is, he experiences a renaissance in his new area, less media scrutiny. I uh, should definitely come to Washington. They'd love him then. They treat their stars very well. Well, they really treat everyone really well. They're not very critical of anyone. I can always throw in jabs. You're really salty. I hate Bryce Harper. Oh, we're not talking about Bryce Harper. We're talking about David Price. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of... I guess that's probably the same hatred Red Sox fans have for him. Yeah. But, I mean, he could be a winner. 
unlike Bryce. I want to ask you a quick question. Let's get away from this because you're uh, the trolling is actually starting to make me itch, and I can't take it. Um, I saw it was a very interesting move in Game Six that Craig Council did, and I was curious how you felt about this. He had Corey Knebel in pitching, and he had pitched one inning, and they were up. The Brewers were up five to two, and the bases it was first and second with two outs, and the eight hole hitter Arcia comes up. And Dave Roberts forces Council's hand. He walks Arcia to load the bases. So Knable comes up to hit. And Council decides to leave Knable in, a reliever, to hit. And he strikes out meekly. They're up 5-2. to two. Now it ends up working out. Knable pitches another inning. And then they closed out the game. They ended up winning game six. They lost game seven. Is it just me or is that a bit crazy? Why? You get the bases loaded. You can blow the game open. With You're two up- outs though, right? Yeah, there were two outs. So why is it crazy? You're giving up a prime scoring opportunity. I mean, if you you, you still had Travis Shaw on the bench, I believe. But you have the best bull, one of the better bullpens in baseball. Right. So you could go to one of the other arms. Yeah, but they've but that's not true because they've <laughs> they were burning through relievers. But they just come off a day off, and I, he was also playing. And the reason he did it, in my opinion, is he was playing for a game seven. He's right. like, I don't want, and they didn't have to. He's like, I don't want to go to Hater if I don't have to. He didn't go to him. Right. He went to Hater in Game 7, who pitched three innings, I think. Yeah. It didn't work out. They ended up losing. But, I mean, John Smoltz said it best about that series, too. He said, if this series goes six or seven games, it does not bode well for Milwaukee. Their bullpen cannot sustain their success at this pace. Right, which is why you leave them in. You're up three runs, too. I I was just curious. I found it a very interesting decision. Very smart managerial decision, in my opinion, by Dave Roberts. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I really like that decision. I thought that I was... I uh, Another question I saw... Um, there was an article written today. Josh Hader was a failed starting pitcher that they converted to the bullpen. I mean, it happens a lot. It does. Britain. Yeah. Do you think the Nationals should be searching for somebody in their farm system that's a failed starter? That You mean like heat? Blake Trinan? Yeah, they had Blake Trinan. They had Felipe Rivero. Well, that's not his name anymore, but whatever he is. Those guys didn't do well here, though. Yeah, that could be an organizational thing. Could be. Blake Trinan came out and basically said it. Drew Storen would probably attest to that, too. Well, they they did that to Drew Storen. Well, that's what he said. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, that was... Uh, but, I mean, it's not like they didn't do that. Well, I guess they kind of did it to Trinan. Yeah. So the last thing that I'll touch on... Last thing I'll touch on is uh, Manny Machado. I wanted to ask you um, what your opinion on the Manny Machado situation is. I'm indifferent. I don't care. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was a Bush League move. But like I've told you, I've said this a hundred times. I, I don't understand why. And this is not saying it's right. But like, why are you leaving your foot in the middle of the bag? That's just bad footwork. That's asking for it. Yeah, I'm not trying to troll you on this. I really, I'm curious because I've never been a... Uh, Orioles fan, yeah, or at least a Manny fan, and um, I just don't understand on the biggest stage of your life why you do that. And then in games six and seven, twice he gestures to the crowd and grabs his crotch. <laughs> it's just Manny being Manny. Do you think he's costing himself any money? Oh no, you don't think so? No, I mean he was on. He's all over. He's all over the World Series ads. People, that's not going to make a difference. Did it cost? A, did A Rod lose money? 
swatting the ball out of. Uh, well, he was already signed with the Yankees. Right. Um, didn't cost Alomar money when he spit, <laughs> spit in umpire's face. It's just bush league. Actually, stuff. I think that did cost him money. Well, I mean, you can't be spitting in umpire's face. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's just stupid. Throwing bats at pitchers. Like he's had. It's just. It's just him. I wouldn't want him on my team. I know that you you would disagree with that. I you wouldn't want. And here's what's interesting. He's become, metrics-wise, becoming an above-average shortstop on the Dodgers. He's a great baseball player. He's one of the five to six best baseball players on the planet. See, this is, but here's, that's the difference. Like, you're looking at someone's... I think that's what happens today. This is the society that we live in. You're worried about someone's, like, character and that just doing stupid-ass things. But he's a winner. And it's he's not could a be winner, a winner though. He's got okay, not a winner yet. Okay, I mean he's won an NL pennant, helped a team win an NL pennant. Has Bryce done anything? Because I'm not, I'm not talking winners. about Bryce Harper. But that's what I'm, I'm saying. Talking is, about Manny Machado. But that's what I'm saying is it's like if you, like you're saying you wouldn't want Manny Machado on your team. Would you want I? If you had a choice between those two, how could you possibly? Bryce justify? doesn't do shit like that. Who gives a shit? Bryce doesn't do anything on the field he's except like, for two. Uh, uh, a year and a half. Oh, and he also doesn't hustle. Neither does Manny. Manny said he doesn't hustle. Right. But at least he owns it. At least he owns it, so that makes it okay? I don't know. I never said it was okay. But I, I'm just telling you, like, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting with Manny. Okay. I just He's I, a great baseball player. I just think he's got... I think he's going to eventually escalate it to a point where he's going to get suspended. Oh, I don't think so. I think... I think he's an idiot. Absolutely. He's definitely an idiot. I mean, you're in the, what, 11th, 12th inning of the game? I mean, Aguilar hasn't done anything. What's, what's, what do you, what, what's there to gain from it? Nothing. He's just being stupid. And he's, he's already, now he's got that reputation. He's had a reputation well, he in threw the past. Ba- yeah, I mean, it's not like he didn't have his reputation. No, he but I mean, like picture. even Kristen Yelich, who never says a bad word about people, came out and said that it's a dirty player making a dirty, or dirty play by a dirty player. Yeah. I mean, people call Chase Utley dirty. I take Chase Utley. Okay. I don't know. It's just di- like uh, again, those I, slides to me. Well, the slides are, are different. That's that's hard baseball. I'm fine with that. Well, by rule, they're not. Both of them were not. He was going towards the bag. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Chase Utley or Manny Machado? Both. Chase Utley was not going towards. Chase Utley. No, that was, was like, before the rule. Right, but I'm saying like that that would have not been a legal slide. No, no, no. But Manny's slide in game. He was out on both of them. Four. He was out, but he was sliding at the bag. No. But th- how could he be out? He got the that runner was out at first too. It was a double play. They called the runner out at first because he didn't go. I didn't the bag. think it was. I didn't. I thought that was a bad call. No, he one hundred percent. He put his hand up. Oh well, that's why then. Yeah. <laughs> He's just. An I think idiot. that was the game that I had started to fall asleep because it had gotten late and. I'll take like burst burst of stupidity, because. I know that I know that he cares. Yeah. All right. We can agree to disagree on that. Uh, I have a final thought that I'd like to talk about today. I don't know how interested you are in it, but I just kind of wanted to vent for a second. Um, I am tired of uh, I'm tired of people crushing DC sports fans. Well, it's because we're not all the, the majority of them are fake DC sports fans. No, I don't think that's the case at all. I think it is. Okay. Um, my point being, I think you can look at what happened in June with the Stanley Cup 
and the congregation of fans around Capital One Arena that how hungry this it this city these fans the real fans they're not bad fans we just haven't had anything to cheer for i mean i, I agree with the we haven't had anything to cheer for but i can tell you that i bet you 25 to 30% of those fans are just out of towners that wanted to be part of it which on a good night is there 50% nats fans I just don't understand. Here's my I, I think you drastically underestimate how many fans actually root for the Nationals. There, there are quite no, no. a bit of Oh, them. there is. But here's my question is, when were you, were you a baseball fan in 2004? Was I? Yeah. Yes. Then, what, then how can the Nats be your team? The Nats should be like, like if you were, were a fan of the actual sport, the Nationals wouldn't have been your team. They could be your second team. Like I root for them behind the Orioles. Like you couldn't have, I mean, I just don't, all these Nationals fans... We're not baseball fans. And it's done a great job of bringing... I think you have your old crowd who remembers the Senators, like my, our, my mom at least, who are, isn't obviously a Nats fan. And then there's that huge gap. And then the younger kids now are growing up being Nats fans. That makes sense to but me. But the reason I'm a Nats fan is because I grew up with stories of my dad going to RFK watching the Senators. And how, you know... Heartbroken, not heartbroken, it's a little too strong, but my grandfather not being happy when the Senators moved away in 1971 and how we didn't have baseball for 33 years. I was never, I I guess maybe in the mid, mid-90s because the only local team, my dad, when he wanted to take me to a game, the only game he could take me to was in Baltimore. Um, I, but I, I don't agree with that argument that the Nats can't be my first team because who was I a fan of in 04? I, I don't think that... Then my second argument would be, well, where are all these Nats fans in 2008 when we were sitting in an empty stadium? They were people much like Redskin fans now that were not willing to pay for a bad product. And the Nats were a bad product in 08 and 09 and 10. But it, has, it wasn't like a... It's completely separate from the Redskins. It wasn't a Dan Snyder doing of 20 years of dicking fans yeah. over... So you said the learners basically moved him in and no, did him Jim, over? Jim Bowden did a horrible job as general manager. They had the Smiley Smiley Gonzalez, that big issue with the international signing pool and all that stuff. I mean, they were embarrassing. They went on the field with misspelled jerseys. It's pretty similar to the Redskins. I mean, it, it wasn't as deep-seated. It wasn't as historic. But my point is, like, Josh Norman came out today and said all the Fairweather fans are going to start showing up. That's and, true. It's true to yes, it's true because I, I might even go back to FedEx Field this year, but that's just to record a podcast in the parking lot after the game. But Josh Norman doesn't show up to some games. Who the f- hell is he to say that fans aren't showing up? Because he goes to and plays in a a home stadium that's not really a home stadium. But maybe he should learn the history of why it's not a home stadium. It's, it's not, not because his, the fans are bad. That's but that's uh, it's his optics. That's all he knows. I'm just I'm tired of it. I, I think Caps fans have shown for years. They've sold out Capital One Arena, Verizon Center before that. The Wizards, you know, they draw a decent crowd most nights. The Nationals are in the top third of uh, baseball in attendance. I'm tired of it, man. I mean, for as transient as a city as we are, we're not terrible. And we've had a lot of bad sports in the last 20 plus years. We haven't had much to root for. We've had embarrassing moments to root for. I mean, are we as great as 
I think I don't think we're as great as Cleveland fans because I wouldn't still follow the Browns. I mean, I probably would, but because the Redskins have been almost as bad as the Browns. But they've stayed loyal. They lost the team for a few years and still stayed loyal to the Browns. Yeah. I mean, those are real football fans. They are real football. I think Redskins fans are real football fans. Yeah, I just think they're done with it. I mean, you just need a new owner. I wouldn't say that. I Out of the most loyal fan base, I think it is the Redskins by far. And then the Caps. And oh, then that's in D.C. Wizards. Yes, yeah. And honestly, if you're talking about the most loyal fan base, it's probably D.C. United. For, like, in general, overall. They're, like... They're, they're loyal, they're small, but they're loyal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of D.C. But United... But they're screwing people over with their weird seating policy and ticket policy as well, because they're, like, giving fan... They made, like, one fan group, the official fan group of... Like, I don't know. That's just... Goddamn kids. Anyway, that was my final thought. I'm just tired of people crushing D.C. sports fans. I, I mean, part of it also is because D.C. gets a bad rap just because of politics. But uh, D.C. sports fans, you know, the Redskin fans that I grew up with are as passionate as they come. And I agree with that. I just, like I said, just much like everything, I hate the Nats. And I, 90% of the fans, you can't. I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to you're at least At least you're argument is somewhat relevant i guess but then how could you you just were a fan of baseball prior to that yes yeah i was an orioles fan. so you're an outlier no no no. yes i am i was an orioles fan until really until peter angelus really got his claws into the team and it kind of i became just a baseball fan and then i was in school in boston and i followed the red sox i rooted for the red sox but in 05 the nats came and i started rooting for the nats yeah i would say that you're an outlier because you can intelligently talk about the history of the Nats. I would say that if we were to go ask people, they would not be able to even describe who the starting shortstop was in those years. Okay, the same can also be said for early 2000s Red Sox fans. Like the pink hat wearing... My, my buddies used to talk about it all the time. The pink hat wearing Boston Red Sox fans. The, the people that came onto the team after they won the World Series. The mid-2000s, early oh, right. 2000s. But I mean, you still had good products. You still had Pedro. You still had Nomar. Oh, no, no. The Boston fan base prior to 2003 is one of the best. But I'm saying the people that added on after that, the people that weren't real Red Sox fans before that, that's your argument, is that people have come on to the Nats because they're winning and they're fun to watch. Yeah, I'm saying you had 10,000 real fans. I don't think it's... I think it's a lot more than 10,000. I just don't... I mean, Their I don't season know. ticket base is higher than 10,000. Yeah, but I... But it's not people that are actually Nationals fans. It's people that are baseball fans. It's people that are cor- their corporate seats. That's your perception. I yeah, that's my perception. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I don't still, I don't know. Any final thoughts from you, sir? No. All right, so we will see Josh in two weeks. He's going out of town for a little R and R. I will be here next week. We might have a guest host. We might not. I gotta ask Matt if he's willing to jump on with us. Uh, just a reminder, we are affiliated with the DMV Sports Network.com. You can follow them on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. And you can follow them again, DMV Sports Network.com. We have a bunch of stuff up there, including every episode. So feel free to reach out on, to them. Follow us on Twitter at It's About Time DC1. It's ITS About Time DC1 on Twitter. Send us a direct message if you want to communicate with us. Thank you again to Nate Real for the 
new artwork for the It's About Time podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we will speak to you guys next week. Have a good week, Josh. You as well.